everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Hi there. Welcome to Prayer Warriors Needed because prayer warriors are needed. And tonight we have uh, great material uh, prepared. We're looking at uh, closing in on Job. Um, we studied the book of the book of Job from the perspective of turning a curse into a blessing. And uh, we've learned quite a bit. We've learned that not all problems are from the devil. We learn that God is all sovereign. He is he is above all entities on this earth. God has authority over the visible world, meaning demons and angels and everything else, and and the earth. And He has power over the visible and the invisible worlds. And in Job's case, God was using those adversities to improve, to make a a righteous man more righteous. So as it relates to a targeted individual community, this program uh, can be used to make us better people, to punch the devil in the eye. What the devil meant for bad, God can use for good. So we continue to study uh, the book of Job to get a better understanding. We see this magnitude of evil merciless evil impact your life, you have to uh, question how, why, where. I mean, what entity could be this evil to do this? And we thank God for the word of God. We thank God for the Bible that gives us answers. The Bible, the acronym B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. It gives us a guide on how to complete our assignment, on how to deal with adversity, and we're looking at the story of Job to gain knowledge and wisdom and to become better people, to become more prepared, to learning that in life, it's really not the problem that's at you, it is the reaction to the problem. So with that in mind, it tells us that the way we react, we have to know a demonic attack when it attacks us. And we have to be able to to fight off the attack effectively using the tools we have, which is the word of God, the scripture. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Keeping our mind stayed on him. Keeping our mind stayed on God. Letting the devil know he's a liar. So we give God all the praise for the privilege of prayer. We thank God that we, we, we can come together and acknowledge his sovereignty and exalt his name and say, Lord, we love you. God, we we honor you, we magnify your name, we glorify your name, Lord. We thank you, God, for putting your hand on each and every one of us. We thank you, God, for that hedge of protection. We thank you, God, for this thing you call, that you have, God, called grace and mercy. We thank you, God, that we may not be perfect, God, but you got us striving for perfection. 
perfection in the word of God and not the worldly way. Perfection according to your will, living under your standards, God, living a righteous life, living a life that we can look back and say, I'm not the person I used to be. God, we give you all the praise and the glory as you continue to watch over us and we continue to grow in your word, Heavenly Father. God, let each and every targeted individual, Heavenly Father, those that know they are and those that do not know they are, Heavenly Father, let them continue to grow in your word and punch that devil in the eye because righteousness, right living according to God's will, doing God's will, compassion, love, peace, prosperity, everything that the kingdom of God offers is a punch in the eye to the devil. God, we thank you for the reading we had next last week that we got more knowledge, Heavenly Father, on that sick religion that's trying to usurp authority over this world, that religion called Baal. Mm. God, we thank you that we were able to look at uh, methods to identify Baal worship, Heavenly Father, so that we do not have to be fooled. We thank you, God, that we can come to you with clarity and understanding that we serve the one and only Most High God and only the Most High God. And, God, we thank you for the sacrificial offering of your son, Jesus Christ, on that cross, Lord, that we can come, we can have something to lean on to fight the powers of the invisible world, to fight that, that the powers of people uh, doing cannibalism, uh, killing innocent live people for their organs, doing things that are unheard of, that we don't have to go cut a goat, a sheep, or a cat and try to get some type of balance for the wickedness these people are doing, that we can stand on the blood of Jesus, Heavenly Father. God, we give you the praise. God, we give you the glory. We thank you, God, for you being God. God, we come together for a special prayer for our sister Elizabeth, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, her sister has been declared um, on life support. God, we're just asking you, Heavenly Father, to move the mountains for that sister right now. In the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, we send unified prayers, God, that thy will be done, Heavenly Father, that that woman will not die of eugenics. She will not be another eugenic victim, Heavenly Father, that you, Heavenly Father, will use your sovereign power to, to perform a miracle. God, be with my sister Elizabeth in a very difficult time in her life. God, we ask you for a hedge of protection over Elizabeth Adams, a hedge of protection over her sister, Heavenly Father, that's on life support, and a hedge of protection, Heavenly Father, over her mother who's in and out the hospital. Heavenly Father, we decree and declare that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and that your word, Heavenly Father, tells us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that those praying people will be covered by the blood, that they will not be taken out according to the devil's will. According to your will, will they be blessed and highly favored. Heavenly Father, be with that sister right now. Give her the strength of endurance, Heavenly Father. Let her rely on scriptural promises, Heavenly Father. God, we just thank you in advance for opening the wheels of heaven for that family, for not letting Elizabeth, you, the word of God says you won't give her more than she can bear, that she will be the praying force for that sister and the mother, that you will send your guardian angels over them, God, to watch over them. That we bind up any and all demon forces in that hospital that try to do harm to that family, the mother, the sister, 
any of them in the name of Jesus. We bind them demon forces up. We call the blood of Jesus against it. In the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus against any demon forces. Heavenly Father, watch over if that's particularly if it's a praying sister. God, we know the word of God says that you can move mountains, Heavenly Father, and we're depending on you to move a mountain. God, we're calling on you, Heavenly Father, to do a divine intervention, Heavenly Father. She needs you more than ever. God, please open up the windows of heaven. Show Elizabeth, God, that you are, that you can, your will will be done, Heavenly Father, that you are all sovereign, almighty, Heavenly Father. God, please be with that family right now in Jesus' name. I'd like to say a special prayer uh, for that family, a mountain-moving prayer. I have um, taken a look here on this internet here. So have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it does not and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you act, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Twenty two to twenty four. There are times when the place to begin is very clear. As I've studied these words of the Lord Jesus, the same question has come back to me again and again. When Jesus talks about a mountain being cast into the sea, how can we take him seriously? The author of this article says, I'm 47 years old, have never seen into the sea. I've done my share of traveling, have visited most of and have been so been, been to some amazing places. I've ridden a boat on the Sea of Galilee, floated down the Volga River. I've climbed the Mayan Pyramid in Belize, visited visited the Salt Palace outside Bogota, Colombia. I've even rowed in a tiny rowboat to the very tip of the Iguazu Falls on the border between Paraguay, Brazil, and Argentina. And I took a ride on the big shot at the top of the stratosphere in Las Vegas, some 900 feet above the desert floor. I've been amazed more than once and left speechless a few times. But in all my life, I've never seen a mountain cast into the sea. And that's precisely our problem with this text. Jesus invites us to summon the faith to talk to a mountain and command it to be cast into the sea. Not only have I never seen a mountain cast into the sea, I've never talked to a mountain either. As I think about it, I don't know anyone who has. But it's right here in black and white in Mark 11:23. What are we to do with this text? I am sure our first inclination is to find a way to explain it, to explain it away somehow. As a friend of mine was discussing this text with his young son, the boy started looking around for things he could order to start moving like a lamp or a bed or a couch. The father immediately and properly cautioned his son against tempting the Lord. But this much may be said in favor of the youngster's exuberance. At least he took Jesus seriously, which is more than most of us do. This week, I happened to run across an article. Uh, an article. It is a huge, uh, it is a, uh, on a huge site run by hardcore atheists and agnostics who are fervent believers in the Christian faith. One page on the called Bible Absurdities. 
It is a long list. We prove the Bible is not inspired word of God. Mark 11.23 is cited as something as absurd that no one could take seriously. A church with parking problems. But then just a few seconds later, I found another site with a story about a church in the Great Smoky Mountains that built a sanctuary on a It turned out that the sanctuary was so large that the building inspector would not give the church a certificate of occupancy because they lacked sufficient parking. Evidently, the new building took up all the available space. The only unused part of the property was a mountain adjacent to the sanctuary. The Sunday before the new sanctuary was to open, the pastor called for those who believed that that could still move mountains to come to a prayer meeting that night. Out of a congregation of 300, 24 people showed up. He believed that somehow God would remove the mountain and pave the area in the next seven days. The next day, a man knocked on the pastor's door. He turned out to be a building contractor from a nearby county. They were building a shopping mall. He said needed some filled dirt in order to level the construction site. Could his company buy the mountain behind the church? He added that if they could have the mountain immediately, they would be glad to pay for paving and striping the new stri- and striping, stripping, excuse me, the new parking lot. The pastor readily agreed, and the new sanctuary opened on schedule the next Sunday. The person who wrote the story commented that there were far more members with mountain moving faith that Sunday than there were the previous Sunday. The command, have faith in God, Jesus answered, Mark eleven twenty two. How simple this is, only four words, have faith in God. Yet how revolutionary they are. A few years ago, one of the preachers from Los Angeles preached a 40-minute servant on just two words, God is. In his own unforgettable style, he pressed home the point that everything in the universe flows from this one truth. Figure this out and you've got a handle on life. Deny this and nothing else makes sense. Either God is or he isn't. And if he is, that, if he is, that changes everything. The voice from the burning bush told Moses to tell the people that I am has sent you. And what precisely does that mean? The only further explanation is I am that I am, which points to God's eternal self-existence. If you know that God is and that he is the great I am, you know the most fundamental truth in the universe. In last week's sermon, I related something I said. This is the author of the article speaking. I said to a young couple waiting for God to show them where they should serve as missionaries. I basically told them the reason you don't know now is because you don't need to know now. But if you needed to know, you know, but since you don't know now, it must be because you don't need to know now. People chuckled every time I told the story because the way I said it could be extended indefinitely. Later on, I realized that I had forgotten four crucial words that I said to the young couple that day. Those four words are all important and go at the front of that long statement. The four words are, if God is, if God is God, that changes everything, doesn't it? If God is God, 
then you'll know when you need to know and not a moment sooner. Alexander the Great wanted to reward him with rent. Ask what you want of me, said the emperor. The philosopher took the office seriously and told the royal treasurer he wanted 10,000 pounds of gold. Shocked by such an enormous request, the treasurer refused and went in anger to the emperor. This man has asked too much. His request is unreasonable. Alexander the Great listened patiently and then instructed the treasurer to give the philosopher what, philosopher what he had asked for. He honored me three ways. First, he believed my word. Second, he believed my wealth. Third, he believed my willingness to do what I said I would do, give him the money. He has honored me by his great faith in my word. In Psalms 81.10, God gives a wonderful invitation to his children. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Ask what you need, God says, and I will do it for you. Years ago, I heard someone say that Jeremiah 33, verse 3, is God's telephone number because it contains a very clear promise. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty mighty things which you do not know. This week I was praying with some men and heard someone say, Lord, teach us to pray big prayers. So much of what we pray is just details. I find that a helpful and challenging thought. It's not that the details don't matter. They do, but sometimes our prayers suffer because our vision is so small. If we truly want to honor God, we will believe what he says, and then act on that belief by praying large prayers that require an almighty God to answer them. For example, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Mark eleven twenty three. To cast a mountain into the sea seems impossible. To deal with this difficulty, some have supposed that Jesus is speaking in analogies. Then he uses an absurdly, uh, absurdity to point out the great possibilities of prayer. However, I tend to think the words of Jesus are quite literal. When he says, this mountain, I think he was standing on or perhaps pointing to the Mount of, Mount of Olives a very literal mountain that the disciples had traversed many times. That particular mountain might be cast into the sea. For a disciple to cast a mountain into the sea, two conditions must be met, both humanly and strange. He must talk to the mountain. He must not doubt in his heart. So I ask this question, what's the hardest part about casting a mountain into the sea? Most people would probably answer having faith, or not doubting in your heart. And in truth, those things are very hard to do at times, but I submit the hardest part is having the courage to talk to the mountain in the first place. What kind of person looks at a mountain and talks to it? If you do that on a regular basis, people will begin to question your sanity, yet that's exactly what Jesus tells his disciples they must do. Years ago, I read a fine little book, by Elmer Towns called Say It Faith. He argued on the basis of his text and many others as well that God honors those who dare to say out loud what they are asking God to do. Great leaders galvanize their followers by actually saying out loud. 
This is where God is leading us. It might be to send missionaries to evangelize, or it might be to raise $10 million for a new sanctuary, or it might be to ask God to heal someone of cancer. They talk about their impossible dreams openly, and they pray openly about what God has been speaking to their hearts. This releases God's power in a unique way because it puts the impossible issue out on the table where everyone can see it. As long as you keep silent about your dreams, Town said, they are much likely to come true. That has always made perfect sense to me. It's like Babe Ruth pointing to the outfield and calling his shot just before he hit the legendary home run. When you speak to the mountain of impossibility, you are doing what Jesus said to do. Along that line, here's a fine definition of faith that comes from Philip Yancey. Faith is believing in advance in something that will only seem logical when seen in reverse. Sometimes, often in fact, God calls us to believe him for things that humanly speaking makes no sense. But when we dare to believe God, we see in retrospect how logical it is. But we have to believe God first, even when it defiles common sense. We all have mountains of difficulty in our lives. Sometimes there are great tasks laid before us, and we have little personal strength with which to meet them. Sometimes those mountains of broken relationships and habits of sin. Your mountain may involve believing God regarding a health issue or a loved one who is far from the Lord, or it may mean trusting God in the midst of failing of a failing marriage. One major part. of seeing the mountain move in your life is having the courage to speak to the mountain because you believe that God is able to cast it into the sea. Part three, the application. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours, Mark 11, 24. This promise has three parts. It's comprehensive. Whatever you ask for, it is conditional. Believe that you have received it. It is definite, and it will be yours. And note the change of tenses. There is the present tense, whatever you ask for. There is the past tense. You have received it, and there is the future tense. It will be yours. As the kids like to say, what's up with that? We are to pray in the present with the assurance that God has already granted our request, even though the answer will not come until the future. Sometimes in the Greek language, the writers will use what is called collective arrays. Romans 8.30 offers an excellent example when it says, the children of God, those he also glorifies, the past tense. He speaks of believers as having already been glorified in heaven. That glorification is still future for those of us living on earth, but it is so certain God has determined as if it had already been done. Two quick illustrations. A friend of mine has just been accepted into the doctoral program of one of the most distinguished Old Testament programs in the world. It will take him years to finish the program. When I saw him recently, I called him doctor. He laughed and said, not yet, proleptic arrest. I replied with a smile, giving him credit in advance for work not yet accomplished. 
as the NCAA basketball championship game between Michigan State and Florida wound to close last Monday night. Someone on the Michigan State sideline held up a newspaper with a huge banner headline, Champions. But the game was quite not quite over, yet someone obviously had such faith that they printed the paper while the game was still being played. That's faith. Because God is God. We may be sure that he is at work answering our prayers, even before we pray them. And because God lives outside of time, the prayers we pray today are certain of fulfillment yesterday, even though we won't receive the answers until tomorrow. Think about that for a while. Believing in advance is like a young couple who puts up a nursery even before the wife is pregnant. Or it's like hope. It's like a hope chest prepared by a young lady for the day she will be married. It's like buying a Christmas present in September but hiding it until December. We hide the presents in the closet and then get them out when Christmas draws near. You can't give the present early or it will spoil. In prayer, our part completely while we wait for the answers to come. If your father wants you to have it, it may not be in your hands, but it's already. One other point to be made. Sometimes when we pray, we have a promise of a specific blessing, and we may then pray in total confidence. Often we pray not knowing what God will do. That is not falls in the category of verse 24 because God doesn't always give us that kind of faith. Jesus Christ is God. He is the king of kings. He governs the universe. Sometimes when we pray, he gives us faith to believe for amazing things. Other times we pray with less certainty, still trusting that God knows what is best and will do what is best. I found this illustration in the pages of the biblical illustrator. Prayer is the bow, the promise is the arrow. Faith is the hand which draws the bow and sends the arrow with the heart's message to heaven. The bow with the arrow is of no use and the arrow without the bow. And both without the strength of the hand are of no purpose. Neither the promise without prayer, nor prayer without the promise, nor both without faith, faith avail the Christian anything. It was said of the Israelites, they could not enter in because of unbelief. The same may our prayers. They put up in faith. In light of Jesus' teaching, we may draw the following applications when we pray. We should pray for something definite, earnestly desire it, not question God's ability, Preserve, persevere in prayer, continuing to pray, add works to our faith. Many years ago during a drought in England, a pastor called his church to a special prayer meeting to ask God to send much needed rain. It was bright in a cloudless day, and Mary came with an umbrella. Why, since we're praying for rain, I thought I should bring an umbrella. Everyone chuckled in the minister laughed. As they were praying, the winds rose, the clouds rolled in, and sure enough, the heavens opened and came down a torrent of rain. 
Mary was dry while the congregation went home wet. Let us pray, believing not only that God may hear, but that he does hear, and he will give us what we ask, if it is best for us. Years ago, I read the story of Cameron Townsend, founder of the Wycliffe Bible Translators. As a young man, he went to Central America to preach the gospel to the unreached. While ministering to some tribal people one day, his life was changed forever when a man asked, if your God is so great, why doesn't he speak my language? That simple question led to the formation of a mission agency dedicated to translate God's word into every language on earth. In spite of many doubters who called this faith, the promises, and looks to God alone. Laugh, and cries, it shall be done. I mentioned Cam Townsend and White because in 1954, a young couple named Dave and Carol Fox went out from our church to translate the Bible for the people of Guatemala. They labored and the hardship, physical difficulty, and determined opposition to bring God's word to a tribe that had never heard it. <clears throat> this involved developing cultural language and years of painstaking work with a translation helper uh, named Santiago. During our recent missions conference, I watched a video in which they spoke about the sacrifice and joy of the last 45 years. It occurred to me that I had never heard her voice because I have Never met Dave or Carol in person. During the 10 years I've been a pastor at Calvary, Dave and Carol never came back to the States, not even for a brief visit. For many years, Dave suffered from extreme back pain that left him in bed most of the time. He was determined to finish the New Testament in quiche that he and Carol refused to come back to the U.S. I think he probably Guatemala, he would never be able to return. The translation was finally finished in 1997 and published in 98. I received a letter from Dave Fox in 99 with a copy of the New Testament they had translated. Dave thanked our church for our prayers, commented that in peace, the title of the New Testament is the Holy and Precious Counsel of God. He died six months later as Carol spoke about what it cost them to translate the New Testament. Her eyes filled with tears when she said that many times, they were told to give up and go home, that the work was too hard and that they would never complete it. But God is faithful, and he gave them the strength to finish the destiny he created them for. No, no it's my part. He, the, the strength to finish what he had called them to do, right, the destiny. He went. On Dave's tombstone, they are engraved words from Hebrews 12:2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. When I saw the video, I realized that at last I had seen a mountain cast into the sea. Not a physical mountain of dirt and stone, though God can do that too, but a much greater mountain of impossibility. It was the mountain Dave and Carol faced when they arrived in Guatemala in 1954. It was a mountain that grew larger through opposition and physical suffering. It was a mountain that spread Dave's strength until he had nothing left to give. It was a mountain that took his wife and caused Carol, her husband. But in the end, that mountain was cast into the sea. 
I hold in my hand the copy of the West Central Keish New Testament the day Fox sent me a few months before he died. Don't tell me God doesn't move mountains today. It took a lifetime of hard work plus prayer plus incredible sacrifice, but the people of Guatemala now have the word of God in their own language. By God's grace and through the face of two people who would not give up, that mountain was cast into the sea. The New Testament, which I cannot read, is proof that the words of Jesus are literally true. God, this is believing prayer. Let's wrap up this message with a simple application. Writing on this text over 150 years ago, Charles Simone commented that no prayer offered in faith can ever fail. Sometimes God answers exactly as we have prayed. Often his answers come in a different fashion. Sometimes the answers are delayed for reasons we can't fully understand. And sometimes he substitutes something better in place of what we prayed for. Sometimes he gives us grace to bear what we ask might be removed from our lives. Yet in all this, God still answers prayer. God always answers believing prayer, always. The only limit on prayer is the will of God. If our prayers be within the circle of God's will, we may ask what we will, and God knows all things will answer our prayer according to his will. In the end, prayer is... In the end, prayer is not a duty, but a, but a blessed privilege. We should not pray because we have to, but because we want to. And why bother praying if you don't will answer you? Let us pray with confidence and answer our prayers. Nothing is too great to ask, and nothing is too hard for God. So let the people of God keep on praying. Claim God's promises. Say to the mountain, be cast into the sea, then stand back and see what the Lord, your God, will do. Amen. Okay, that was interesting. That was all about casting to the sea. We're coming together to cast that mountain into the sea for Elizabeth, particularly Elizabeth and her family. And we're praying for all targeted individuals. We're praying for Amy, praying for my mother. I'm praying for my nephews be saved, E.J. Scott to be saved, Haru Scott to be saved, Amy's sons to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, Amy's mother to be covered by the blood, mind up any attack on her, Anne's mother and Anne, Anne I haven't heard from. God, I'm standing on your word that you hear prayers, and public prayers particularly. We lay it out on this, on this line, Heavenly Father, that we know that you are the great I am and that there is no doubt in our mind that God can remove mountains, mountains that block your work getting done. And as a prayer warrior, I plead the blood of Jesus over her life that she will be back on this prayer call and that no weapon formed against her prosper. God, I bring my sister Elizabeth before you, Lord. I thank you, God, for her prayers when she had when she could come to the call. Heavenly Father, I believe the mountains can be removed off of that family right now. That sister, God, will come out the way you choose that she comes out, Lord. She will not come out suffering, God. We ask you, God, to bind up the spirit of suffering. To come back to life and that she may have a life of 
goodwill, wealth, prosperity, good by the blood. We bind up any attacks of eugenics on us. God, we call for Elizabeth's mother to be covered by the blood, Heavenly Father, that there'll be a hedge of protection on her, that she will not be in and out that hospital, and God, that she will do according to your will to continue her blessed life of longevity. God, I thank you, Heavenly Father, for my praying sisters and brothers. God, bless my sister Lisa that's on the phone, Heavenly Father. Bless her from head to toe. I bind up every satanic attack of migraine, headache, things that may be bothering her. God, I call her son to be blessed and highly favored, Heavenly Father, that he will be a man of God and that you will use him tremendously to advance the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, bless my sister Lisa, God, that she'll be used to advance the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, bless my sister Tammy, God, who has her heart to be here. And due to whatever situation, she's not here. But, God, I know that you'll bless and cover her. And I thank you, God, that you're going to send her in, and she's going to put some praise down for our sister Elizabeth and her sister and her mother, Heavenly Father. God, I thank you for my mother, Heavenly Father. I thank you for the gift of longevity, God, that you kept her here. She's almost 90. God, it could not be done without your grace and mercy. I thank you, God, for using her to raise us up in the word of God, Heavenly Father. I thank you, God, for keeping her faith, God, standing on the word of God, being the praying warrior that she is, Heavenly Father. God, in the glory, I ask you, God, to bless Elijah Scott, Heavenly Father. I bind up that shaking demon coming after him. I thank you, God, for giving him the employment that he's doing his best to move forward. I thank you, God, for taking away the spirit of weariness. He's tired of being tortured, God. God, I know the book of Job, we are studying, God, that you, Job suffered, and you used that suffering to make a righteous man more righteous. I decree and declare that Elijah Scott will become more righteous, Heavenly Father, that he will be the man you created him to be. And that demon that has been sent on him, I plead the blood of Jesus against that demon in the name of Jesus. And that demon must leave him alone. I decree and declare that Elijah Scott will be a man of God, will serve you fervently, Heavenly Father. That every attack against him, Heavenly Father, will be reversed and taken off of him. Bless the loose Scott, Lord, that he will continue and finish up his education, Heavenly Father that he will be the man you created him to be, Heavenly Father, and that great things will come out of their lives, Heavenly Father. God, I give you praise and I give you glory, Heavenly Father. I ask you, God, for Amy's son in a delicate place that he's in. God, let him, God, use him in that place. Let him be a man of God, Heavenly Father. Let him learn the lessons he must learn to come out and be in this world and punch that devil in the eye and be the best man that you created him to be in Jesus' name. God, I give you praise. I give you glory. Anyone I fancy who may not be here, uh, keep her in good health, Lord, that she can continue to be the prayer warrior you created her to be. Bless the uh, brother uh, Mark, Heavenly Father, keeps with his job, Heavenly Father. Thank you, God, for bringing him on the call the other night. May he continue to be strong. I give you all the praise, Heavenly Father, and I decree and declare it is done for Amy's mother, I mean, Elizabeth's mother and her sister are in your hands, God, and we bind up any eugenic attack that you will have sovereign power to make decisions 
to have these, to protect and cover them and have them in your hands, Lord, that they will be covered by the blood. I bind and rebuke any demonic attack on either one, um, Elizabeth's mother or her sister. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amy, I know you like to pray. You want to pray? Lisa, you want to pray? Huh? Mommy, want to pray? Okay, okay. I'm taping. I'm taping. Amy, you want to pray? Amy? Amy? Lisa, you still with me? Let me see. Yes. Amy? Okay. I'm Tammy was supposed to call. All right, we're going to look at closing in on Job's problems. We just had to put some prayers down here. Amy, if you come back, you're welcome to pray. Lisa, are you with me? I guess it's kind of kind of late at night. Closing in on Job's problems. Job 24, it says, As God liveth, who hath taken away my justice and the Almighty, who hath vexed my soul? All the while my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Now, we are closing in on the root of Job's problems. He finds fault with God, but none with himself. He condemns God, but justifies himself. Putting his righteousness and wisdom above God, Job had just contradicted himself in one breath. He condemns the Lord, and in the next breath, he says he will never sin with his lips. Putting God down. Job 27, 2, is God liveth, who has taken away my justice and vexed my soul, lifting up himself. Job 27 4. My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue deceit. Oh, there goes Tammy. Amen. Okay, I just finished praying, Tammy. <laughs> Hello? And I'm, yes, I'm glad to have you. I just finished praying, and I'm Okay, I'm pretty fast. I'm going to go I'm ahead glad. and pray. If, if I can, okay. just let me know when I can. Okay, no, we're ready. I'm, I'm gonna stop. Okay. I'm gonna stop. Yes. Now, what yes, is Aunt Elizabeth? What is her sister's name? I I don't have the sister's that's, name. That's okay. Just we just know Elizabeth. That's fine. Who else? Let is me on just the say, How many people? Let me just on? say. Well, hold on a minute. Let me just say it's not only Elizabeth. Um, okay. her sister. Her sister's on life support, but her mother too. Okay. Stopped with a respirator, so. We gotta right. pray for this sister, and, and yeah. she did, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me, um, and um, Lisa, mm-hmm. but you know, some, you know, they were listening. I was reading. I just read on moving mountains, uh, mountain moving prayers, and we just okay. took value of um, Mark eleven twenty two twenty four. I tell you. 
if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he mm-hmm. says will happen, it will be done for him. Yeah. Therefore, I tell yeah. you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Yeah, yeah. According to God's will. You know, Tammy, my biggest prayer for Elizabeth, his mother, and my family, and all of us. Yeah. Do not mm-hmm. let these, the, the eugenic program will not touch us. It will go mm-hmm. around us, behind us, under our foot, but no more in our bloodlines. Not one person in our bloodline will become a victim to a eugenic assassination. Yeah. If all hearts and minds are clear, we can go to the throne of grace. Amen. 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 Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before your presence tonight with a humble heart, Lord, telling you thank you. In spite of how we feel, in spite of what we've gone through, your word declares that in all things, give thanks. So tonight, in the name of Jesus, Uh, God, we tell you thank you. Thank you for the pain that many of us endure uh, around the clock. Thank you for your angels who have been dispatched to care for our well-being, our spirit man. Jesus said that, told the disciples, do not fear those that can kill the body. But you told us to have fear of, for, for the one who can have rule over our soul and that can send our very soul into hell. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, thank you, thank you. In spite of how we feel and what we're going through, we know that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. And when the way seems dreary, we know that we can call on the name Jesus. Because even in your word, says, Lord, at his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But even at the name of Jesus, demons must flee. And so we thank you for the power of Jesus. We thank you for healing tonight because he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace. Hallelujah. Our peace through this storm, hallelujah, the chastisement of our peace, hallelujah, with his stripes, we are healed. So, God, I come to you tonight in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, first of all, asking that you forgive us for our sins. You said that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, Father, if there is anything, every vessel on this call, if there's anything that we are harboring because it's tough, hallelujah, oh, God, being tortured and tormented constantly, it's tough, hallelujah, and sometimes bitterness can set in, sometimes anger can set in, but your word says that be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon our wrath, and so, Father, tonight, this morning, hallelujah, we cast that care upon you, Lord, for you care it for us all, and we know that through Jesus Christ, hallelujah, we can do all things because it is you, Father. It is Jesus who strengthens us. So we thank you for forgiving us. We thank you for being the author and the finisher of our faith because as we cast that care unto you, we must have faith to believe 
that you are, are, are going to take care of everything you said because you are not a man that you should lie, and neither are you the son of man that you should repent. God, we stand on your word tonight believing in you and thanking you, Lord Jesus, for how you have made ways out of no way, and you calm some stormy seas in our lives, and we tell you, thank you. But, Father, as we come together tonight, oh, magnificent Father, we lift up Elizabeth and her family, her mother and her sister, Lord, and all of those connected to them and then our family. Father, there are some things that we can't even utter right now that we know that's going on in the spirit realm and even in the natural, but we tell you, thank you, because you said that vengeance is yours. Hallelujah. And so we must stand on your word. And I don't take it for granted that the woman of God called me tonight to pray, Lord Jesus, because we know that faith without works is dead. But we also know, Lord, that faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. So I thank you, Lord Jesus, that even though each and every one of us, as Elizabeth's sister is on life support, as Elizabeth's mother is battling her life, and then all of the other families represented on this call that are being tortured and tormented, God, I thank you right now, Lord Jesus, that you are our shield and our buckler. And I thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that we can call upon your name even at this very hour, Lord. We don't take it for granted. And we love you. We love who you are. And we'd love just to know and read in your word what you are able to do. You are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just comfort our hearts tonight. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are going to just be that one that we can look to. Your word even declares that we should look to the hills. From whence cometh our help, because our help comes from you who made heaven and the earth, and the earth is your Lord's, which is yours, and the fullness thereof. So tonight, Father, and it's not about these words, Lord, but you are connected to your word, and that's how we connect with you, Father, through your word, Lord. So in the name of Jesus, we are praying for a mighty your mighty hand to move tonight on Elizabeth's sister and her mother and any other family member, anybody that's on this call that's grieving, anybody on this call who just don't know which way to turn, you're ready to throw in the towel, you're ready to give up. But I thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you that Jesus is the one who will bring us out and who will comfort us in our time of need. Hallelujah. So, Father, we just bless your holy, magnificent, and righteous name. We thank you, and we lift you up on high because truly you are worthy to be praised. God, I'm praying a special prayer for those who just don't 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 really want to accept Christ don't really want to don't know a whole lot about your word but father i come as a vessel as as a servant of yours tonight hallelujah and at the sound of my voice as we are praying 
Oh, God, unto you tonight. I pray this prayer earnestly, Lord Jesus, praying over my brothers and my sisters that need you like never before. So many that we have met who have killed themselves. They committed suicide. They have turned to alcohol. They turned to drugs because of this this diabolical, oh, God, thing that is going on in the earth. God, I thank you that, Father, tonight as I pray this prayer, that the spirit of studying and the spirit of getting to know you, Lord, hallelujah, that 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 that, that we will draw closer to you so that you can help us, oh God. Your spirit, man, will arrest every spirit that is not like yours. Because you said that when we draw nigh unto you, that you would draw nigh unto us. And so, Father, this prayer tonight, I'm so, Father, just my heart is overwhelmed, but at the same time, Father, I know that you are in the midst because you said there were two or three together. You would be here. And so we thank you that you are here, Lord. And we, those of us who still go to church and we serve you, God, we thank you that we have a mind to want to serve you, Lord. Hallelujah. You told us not to forsake ourselves assembling together, Lord, with the other believers. So, God, tonight in the name of Jesus, we don't take for granted what you have done. We don't take for granted what you are going to do. But my prayer tonight is that you will increase the faith of those who are on this call. Increase our faith. If nothing but to believe more in you and to believe that what you say is true and to believe that Jesus did come as a savior for the world, for mankind, for our sins. Oh, God, touch tonight. Heal tonight. Deliver tonight. Set free tonight. Do it in the name of Jesus, your son who died on Golgotha, on Calvary, whose arms were stretched wide. We recognize that in the nails that were placed in his hand. We recognize that, and we don't take it for granted, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we tell you, thank you. Thank you for moving on the behalf of your people. Thank you for, oh, God, Sister Miriam, Lord, for this prayer call. Even though I don't get on, God, I thank you for what they are doing, the prayer warriors. I thank you that prayer will not be ceased, hallelujah, and that in all things the prayer warriors will continue to give you thanks and glorify your name, hallelujah, because your name alone is great, and greatly are you to be praised. Oh, God, we tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for moving mountains. Thank you for imparting your spirit in us, oh God. Thank you for molding these, your people, because you are the potter and we are the clay. And God, I thank you. In Isaiah 45, oh God, you told the prophet, you say, you created good and evil. So Father, we have accepted that. And those who have not accepted by the sound of my voice, I pray that they will accept the fact that there is nothing that will go across your desk that you did not allow. Because, Father, you will not put no more on Elizabeth, on her mother, on her sister that she, all of us, can bear. But I did it's my prayer tonight, Father, 
that even as Paul prayed to take away the thorn that was in his flesh, he prayed three times. And you told him, as you are telling us, that your grace is to help us to accept your grace. You said it is, it is sufficient. Help us to see that, Father, because it is tough sometimes when you're being beaten and bruised. But I pray, Father, that your people will go and read the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, where it talks about the, the women, hallelujah, that roamed in the wilderness because they, 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 they decided to believe that there was a greater resurrection, greater than what man was doing to them. They would rather walk with no shoes on their feet. So, Father, we tell you, thank you. Help us, Lord, in your word. Help us as we treat and talk to other people. Impart your wisdom in us, Father, that we might know how to handle this situation on every hand. And, Father, we just tell you, thank you, because we need you. Help us to understand we cannot do this in the flesh. The flesh has no power. But by your spirit that will dwell, that dwells in us, we can conquer this evil. You gave us the power to tread over adders and scorpions. So, Father, I thank you that there is no fear on this call because you did not give us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Nobody's crazy. I thank you that we have a sound mind, and I come against the lie that doctors are saying, the lie that these people in the world are saying, these people on this call and these people, these people have a sound mind. But even if no one accepts us, you have accepted us. And I thank you that on the day of judgment, the story will be told, the truth will be told, help us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't let us take our hand off of the gospel plow. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you. Lord, we love you. We don't have anywhere else to go but to you. And so we thank you for this prayer hour. We thank you for the men and the women of God on this call. We thank you for salvation, that the TIs will accept Jesus Christ so that he can lead them and guide them in the path of righteousness. Righteousness to the point where we will not fight, try to hurt anybody that hurt us. But we'll turn the other cheek and we'll believe in your word. And so we thank you and we praise you. We lift you up. We glorify you. We magnify your name. And it's in Jesus' name I pray this prayer. Amen. 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 Mm, boy, that was that was just, oh, my goodness. We needed that, Tammy. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Nothing like a prayer water. Mm. Hallelujah. Before um, you leave, I just want to go over Psalms 91. Would you like to read it, Tammy? Um, 
Yeah, I can. I have to get my Bible. I know okay. most yeah, of it already. I, 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 I love that, that passage of Scripture, that whole yeah. psalm. I love yes, it. I, I tell you, it's such a comforter, you know, to know Yes, that, it is. I'll read it. Just give me a minute. His angels, his angels are over us. On talk show, would you like to pray? We have somebody else that called in on talk show. Is that you, Angelica? Angelica? I'm, re- I'm going to. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Lordy. Okay. Okay. All hearts and, my, and minds are ready. Is Angelica okay. on? I'm going to go ahead and read. Okay. I don't know who it is. So. Okay. Okay. So let us read. Okay. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Thank you, Lord. I will deliver him and honor him. This is the last verse, 16. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. 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 Thank you. And that tells us now that he will send his angels right around Elizabeth, her mother, and her sister. Yeah. Oh, amen. And, And we're praying for that to happen. I'm going to read just one more psalm uh, on behalf of the assault on Elizabeth and her family and just for for targeted individuals because this uh, Psalm 37 speaks so profoundly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just anything. Yes, yes. Against demonic programming, planning, plotting, whatever you want to call it. And um, I just thank God for Psalm 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they soon cut down like the grass 
and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So thou shalt dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the, unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices. Seize from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any Why? Because evil off. Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little cannot be. Yo, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. And I just want to interject here. Remember, this is kind of book on earth, the Bible. The word of God tells us that these evildoers are going to be cut off. Wait on the Lord. Stay prayed up. Keep praying. Have faith. Don't let nobody take your faith. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnashes upon him with his teeth. The Lord will laugh at him, for he seeth that the wicked's day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy and to slay such as be as upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bowels shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the day and inheritance shall be forever. In the evil time and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied perish. And the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous sheweth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of him is in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsake bread. God is ever merciful, and he lendeth his seed, and he lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall fly. The wicked watcheth the righteous. Mm, mm, mm. Again, the wicked watches the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. 
Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have it in great power, spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yet I sought him, but he could not be the perfect man, and behold, the upright, mm. for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressor shall be destroyed, the end of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked, and God will save them because in him. God, we thank you for the reading of the scripture. For the prayers we've had tonight, we thank you, God, for our special guest, Miss Tammy. We thank you, God, because we know we went, we read Heavenly Father that prayers can move mountains. We know, God, that you're the God of the impossible. And Heavenly Father, we again bring to you that dramatic situation with that sister on life support. God, be with her and be with that family. Heavenly Father, have thine own way. Wait, but thank you, God, for a miracle. I don't know who's that. Somebody snoring. But, so we thank you. We praise you. And I think I'll continue with Job uh, next week because <laughs> we've been on a while. And um, I know everyone's tired. And I just want to say, God, we love you. We adore you. And we just thank you, God, for this time we had together. And I thank you for my praying sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Tammy. Oh, we thank God. Uh, We thank God. But I am definitely going to, um, it's been a very long week for me. Um, But I wanted to keep my word and get on the call and pray. And I'm, 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 continue to pray for Elizabeth and her mother. Don't know what sister. happened to them, but um, the sister, I can only the imagine. That life yeah. support is, is not good, yeah. 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 Are they, uh, well, I'll, I'll send you uh, some, I'll send you a text. But good night, everybody, and you all be encouraged and just don't stop praying, as um, Miriam said. No matter what, continue to pray. Right. Be it unto you according to your faith. Be it unto you. But good night, everybody. I'll send you a text, okay, Miriam? Okay, dear. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank God. Amen. God bless you. Well, we're going to close out now, and we thank God. Um, Virginia, would you like to say anything? All right, so you called in. Welcome. Um, We'll continue with Job because I don't like to start and, you know, cut open and, and finish. We're looking at the closing in on Job's problem, looking at self-righteousness as an idol. 
and uh, we'll go into that. We'll try and have a prayer meeting in the week. But we're on Friday night and um, Sunday night, and we welcome you to join us. To all people, TIs in particular, be strong, stand on God's word, fight evil with the power of God. That's the only There's just no answer for what's going on in your life. And, um, you know, it's evil. And the only power over evil is the power of God. And because of that, that's why I can firmly stand on God's word. I know God can turn every curse these demons put on this earth into a blessing. And I urge targeted individuals to just continue to grow in God, build your faith, understand this fight that you're in. It is a spiritual war, and it's a serious one. It's a war over your life. So keep praying, keep growing in God, and you're punching the devil in the eye as you do such. Refrain from anything that they expect they want you to do. God bless. Anybody has anything else to say? I heard some speakers. Anybody? Amy? You want to pray, baby? Allow God. God, I'm asking you, Creator, to bring up the truth about all these people that's worshiping the devil, using high computer science to manipulate the families of people on the earth with the satellite, destroy the information that the Montranga family is using to keep my family bloodline caught up in this technology and manipulated, destroy the operation that's cursing my family that the Montranga family is using to keep employers, employees, stabilizing business, using our DNA cells to target our bodies. Destroy Holly Brooke Hefferman operation she got in place lying about she ain't doing what I know she's doing. As a name being born as Holly Brooke Hefferman Illuminati. Destroy Mike Shinoda operation and destroy the things he has that's keeping him thinking that his family and him is going to be safe. Make sure he cannot hide. Destroy the band, the band members of Fort Minor, hiding behind the Illuminati operation, targeting people with this technology. Also, the Anderson family bloodline to be released from this operation of the Montranga family. The Jewish community calling themselves the Illuminatis, make sure that Jonah Montranga do not have no peace. Him and his daughter, offspring daughter, Anna Montranga, and his mother, Anna Montranga Sr., make sure, Sr., make sure neither one of these people 
that I mentioned a name have no peace using technology on me and my family bloodline. Destroyed Anna Montranger's operation she got in place, targeting my four grandchildren, lying and acting like all members are not involved in what I know they involved in when they know I know because I have did the scientific studies of their methods to use these computer science and uh, to have my family data birth records stored into the computer with our DNA cells, telling the computer to locate us and manipulate our mind, destroy the operation they have in place, targeting my son, turning my son against me to make him think, tell them the warden in CCA prison that I am crazy or or mentally ill when all know that I am of high aptitude of intelligence. I know what operation they have me and my family in and that minarchy programming, programming us from children from Oklahoma, having these wicked scientists and these different experts using these people to study people's personality and brain waves or what kind of person that person would turn out to be and using the technology to alter people's life and reality. The devil is a lie. Bring these cave dwellers down to their knees, give them no peace, destroy Jonah or Montana, run in from San Francisco, living at 431st Avenue, San Francisco, California, run him and his offspring up out of here from San Francisco, living in the Richmond district, trying to hide out to be over here to target me and my family. In the Richmond, California, in Richmond, California, allowed other people to pass the space-based resolution so that they can also wake up and know that these things that people have informed and to tell them that these things are real and that this is not a game, this is not a psychological disorder, that these people are losing their shit, losing their lives behind, using these electromagnetic pulses, pulses onto the people's brain to try to destroy them and destroy the people's families' lives, breaking up the people's families with this technology by manipulating brainwaves, destroy those who are using computers to manipulate brainwaves with TV and radio networks, bring them down all of their knees, destroy the Jewish community that's using this technology, calling it government mind control, altering people reality, destroy everyone who's using technology to try to control the people's lives, using the medical community, the psychiatric community, and any other community that they can use as a government department outlet outlet to target the people's lives to hide behind these technologies, destroy the wicked God, do not give them no peace, Everywhere they turn, let them keep walking into the destruct trap till they come. Let Joe, let do not allow Mike Shinoda baby to grow up 
to be another mind controller, destroy that little beast and the beast that's doing the things to all the people as children, they training their children to grow up to be a dumb beast on the computer to target people. Give them all hell, God, until they caught and captured and sent to their own prison and concentration camps. In the name of God, I pray, amen. I put the echo prayer on my face that they all operations of the computer. Science will be destroyed. Amen. Skyler Gray, you're going down. Holly Brooks, a.k.a. Skyler Gray, you're going down. You can't protect Joe Montana. He called just like you called. Because I know your name. And I thank God and know your face. I thank God I made, I created. He blessed me to create a computer glitch to bring you down. You off-white sick woman. You off-white sick man. And you off-white Japanese part of a man. I mean. Thank you, Mary. Okay, baby. Okay. All right. Well, let me just give God all the praise, you know. Um, it's just a very horrific uh, situation that uh, targeted individual program. People are being electronically tortured and um, induced hospitalized. And um, everybody just deals with it differently. And we just thank God that, you know, outside of coming together and praying, you know, we thank God we have the privilege of prayer because outside of this, the alternative is to, in your natural flesh body, retaliate. You know, go, 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 take somebody out. You know, you torturing me, you hurt my family. But because we know God, and we know that God is all sovereign and all powerful and almighty, then we know that in due time, in due season, we just read in Psalms 37, the wicked will so we don't have to resort to our flesh. We just have to continue keeping that hedge of protection over our family, over ourselves. We have to keep our family in prayer, constant prayer. Amen. And walking in righteousness so that, you know, no weapon formed against us or prosper because we we're all diff- dealing with different types of horrific, eugenic assassination programming. And this stuff is real, and this stuff has to be taken off of this earth. We're going to do our share so that the next generation can be more prepared, can help stop this stuff. The Satanists have to do these things. This is a matter of survival for them. And it's a matter of survival for us to stop them. So that our, our completion of our assignment on this earth is a matter of our survival. So we, they, they, they cannot continue their work if we're doing our work. God allowed, God allowed this program to be on this earth because each one of us have an assignment. We are dealing with Baal worshipers. We're dealing with, with, with demons. And they're trying to get covert exaltation to their demon forces. 
and they're doing this in so many ways because they're desperate. This is the only way. This is the only way Satanists could be in power this long. How do you have a hospital? I've got people that I'm speaking to with, with the guy just made it out. They tried to kill him. How do you have hospitals trying to kill people? The hospital killed my sister. They sent the artificial respirator to kill my father. How how much more of this this stuff? Oh no, we pr- I proudly I proudly exalt the Most High God. I proudly take my stand against evil. Yes, ma'am. I'm proud too. You know, because I mean, they just want they want people ignorant, bitter. And we're coming to stand. We're not going to be better. We're going to be better. Right. And better not in fleshy way better, but better in terms of character. Everything that that merciless demon wants, we're going to have more compassion. We're going to become more understanding. And I'm sure if you've been through this program, you have a totally different perspective on life. I have a different appreciation. I see somebody that's uh, on the street begging or this and that, I have a different, I'm like, my God, what what, what that person could have used to be because this program is relentless. There is no respect for anything, education, color. It, they, they, they will, the devil will take anybody out. The devil is a liar. So let's just continue standing on God's We will continue uh, with the book of Job. But, you know, I didn't know. I didn't think. I, I thought everybody was uh, falling asleep. We have a few people on Talk Shoe. Welcome, everybody, on Talk Shoe. Good to see you. I'll do a little more. Um, I'll do a little more uh, reading here on that book of Job, because that, you know, that, that, it's not just the book of Job. This is a minister that put a book together, turning the curse into a blessing. You're a targeted individual like I am. That's all you really want to know about at this point in your life. How do I turn this curse into a blessing? Because I cannot continue like this. This football, this football game, this soccer game, we have to, this game has to be turned into handball with a, you know, we have to change football and soccer to a tennis match because this is not going to work. <clears throat> so let's take a look at uh, the closing in on Job's problems. Job's problem, according to this, was self-righteousness. You know, he thought, he, he thought, you know, look, I'm righteous. Why is this happening to me? And, you know, my nephew, what, I mean, most felt to him like God. Why are you allowing this happen to him? They killed his mother, and now they've just given him a, just a torturous life. They're torturing my nephew. They're shaking him. You know, just, I mean, just just horrific. He's twenty eight. He's young. If he didn't know God, he wouldn't be here. They've tried to induce suicide. I bind up that demon spirit of suicide. I bind up induced hospitalization. I bind up every attack on my nephew in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus that that young man will be a man of God. And the demons must flee. 
I plead the blood of Jesus over his life. Because what they're doing, I mean, and, and it's not just him and every other T.I. are going through, and especially the children. Once they start coming after your children, this is when it's like, wow, this is a sick program. But it's God's grace and mercy because he surely, you know, he didn't know what was going on. He flew in the hospital. And I just give God all the praise and the glory. They didn't kill him. That he's still standing. I'm taping. He's still standing tall. And I give God all the praise. I give God all the glory. And I just said, it's a process and you just got to go through. He's like, yeah, but this is going on for years. Who's that? You want to say anything? You're welcome to interject. I don't like doing all the talking. Anybody want to pray? Welcome. They ought to be friends where they know they be attacked by these 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 demon forces. They better come together and pray because if not, they better know these demon forces using them brainwaves or manipulating their brainwaves to try to keep them from praying. As soon as they hang up the phone, these demons be attacking them. They better get on in and pray away with these evil spirits because they will not be able to hide on their computer acting like they're not doing what I know they're doing. Uh, I got dropped, so uh, just bear with me, please. Um, let me just add in Amy again. Uh, cool. Good log. Amy Noon. You ain't going to keep using my son's body as some sanctuary or dwelling to breed children on your date of birth record month, using my grandfather's date of birth record month in August, and your and your two associates' date of birth record is the same date of birth month that I was born in February. I know you had targeted my mother's womb to, to, to use technology on her I'm wounded because she had perceived my, me from from this sick satanic operation. My soul and my body don't belong to you, Jew. 
you will be captured in that day and that hour. You use my data for records to go re- to recreate other slaves so you can use their data birth records to target me. Mike Shinoda, date of birth February 11, 1977. Holly Brooke, Heffernan, date of birth February 23rd, 
his righteous deeds and the honor he had before the trial. He wishes he could go back in time and just stay there. Just like the rest of us TIs. At one point, I'm sure most TIs were like myself. Like gold was what God had just given you a platter of everything you touched was gold. You know, things just flourished in your life and jobs were everywhere and money was right and, you know, so I know what Job was feeling. He is saying, look where I used to be and now look where I have fallen. When we are in a dark trial, our minds often revert to happier times. In Job 29.3, he said, God was with me then. His glory was upon me. I knew his secrets. My children were gathered around me. We were so happy. Dignitaries respected me. I was generous to the poor. I defended the helpless. My presence was referred by reverence by everyone. My opinions and my counsel were much sought after. Job had been a very mighty man. Can you imagine? And he stripped him down up to killing his kids? Mm. Job compares his past glory with his present state in chapter 30. In chapter 30, verse 1, he says, But now they that are younger than I have me in derision. Job compares his present deplorable state with his past glory. They abhor me. They flee far from me and spare not to spit in my face. Not, not only was Job on trial, everyone was on trial. The people downtown hated him and spoke against him. His bones ached and he could not sleep. His boils were running with pus so that his clothes were sticking fast to his skin. Job cried, God does not hear me or regard me. He has become cruel to me. Job had, Job had wept for others when they were in trouble and had shown pity to the poor. But he thought, what good did it do me? Look at my reward. When I looked for good, evil came. He was also very lonely. I am a brother to jackals and a companion to owls. These are appointed, there are appointed seasons in our lives. In Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8, God has appointed special times of blessings in our life, mountaintop experiences. God has foreordained special times of adversity to work something. There is a time to break down and a time to build up. Ecclesiastes 3.3. God was breaking Job down, and he was going to rebuild him a better man. During changing and restructuring our soul, and the frame of our mind. This is a very painful but necessary work of God. Everything seems to go wrong during this time. In addition to this, the trial lasts longer than we anticipated. The principle of bitter and sweet. There is a principle, <clears throat> excuse me, from Esther 212, at least Esther underwent purification processes before she appeared before the king. These purification processes, presumably of the skin, involved six months treatment with the oil of myrrh and six months of sweet spices and perfumes. 
There is a spiritual truth here that we should observe. Myrrh speaks of bitter experiences, and the sweet spices speak of pleasant experiences. Both are necessary for purification. Good times are just as essential for our purification as the difficult times. Seasons of blessing and joy cleanse our hearts from hurts and hardness. Do not expect your life to be a road of misery and trials. There will be many blessings, too. In fact, the good times will far outweigh the bad times. Job enumerates his righteous acts and deeds, chapter 31. Job was a very righteous and merciful man. Even God gave testimony to this. But when Job was in the fire, a serpent came out and showed his ugly head, Acts 28.3. Something manifested in him that was very displeasing to God. Job had pointed his finger at God and charged God with irresponsibility, yet he found no fault with himself. This is where he went too far. Moral purity. In Job 31, 1 to 12, Job was morally pure. He had deep convictions about sexual purity. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then I should think upon a maid. Job had made an agreement with himself. He trained his eyes to focus only where they should. Many sins begin with the eyes. Sin gets, sin gets into the heart by gazing upon someone other than your spouse. What you gaze upon becomes your constant meditation. Job was not always eyeing other women. His eyes and emotions were consecrated to God. He walked in the spirit, not after the eyes, sight of his eyes, and he did not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Pornography is used. Pornography is to be as addictive as heroin. If you do not turn off that pornography on the internet now, it will destroy your marriage, your career, and your soul. <clears throat> Stay away from vulnerable situations, the wrong people, and turn off the internet now. Do not play with your emotions or emotions of anyone else. It is evil to stir up emotions in another that cannot be satisfied lawfully. Be careful of flattery. Flattery wants something in return. Guard your heart, Proverbs 4.23, and train your eyes to stay where they belong. Allow God to cleanse you. Allow God to cleanse your heart from evil desires. The power of a habit is in the love for it. Walk the path of life of wisdom. Wisdom will keep you. Flee temptation as did Joseph. Do not live a private life. Be in the light and be accountable to others in those areas where you know you are weak. If mine heart has been deceived by a woman, if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, adultery is rooted in deception. It is associated with darkness. Adultery. Results from infatuation and adultery a, a stupor it envelopes a person. When people fall into this sin, they have been overtaken by an evil spirit. And the longer they continue to practice this sin, the more entrenched in deception they become. When God does not expose their sin immediately, people begin to feel that God is overlooking it. They think God is making special exceptions for their situation, but they are sadly mistaken. A 
Adultery brings numerous evil spirits into the heart. Betrayal, lying, deceit, hypocrisy, continual cover-ups, and a seared conscience. One minister of a church was involved with six women in his congregation. When he was confronted with the matter, he was completely blazed about it. Adultery is treacherous. It's a treacherous path of darkness. Eventually, it will lead to hell. If not, repent it up. That judgment that comes upon an adulterer when a man brings his home under spiritual attack and his wife is left unprotected. Often she falls into the same sin and others take his wife. Adultery was considered a hideous crime before the age of the law. Adultery can consume all that a man has. He could lose everything. So Job didn't have that problem either, and he knew of that. Job continues to defend himself. In addition to being morally pure, Job was kind to his servants. He was merciful to the poor and widows. Job never rejoiced when his enemies were judged. He was hospitable. Job was truly an outstanding man, yet God was trying to cut away something that was not righteous in his life. God was performing a greater work of redemption in him. feel that a wise, all-sovereign God, even though we don't like the trial, we don't like the test, we can never feel we know better than he does. Okay. So he continues to defend himself. If I covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom, here is a remarkable revelation of the incident in the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> Adam was very slow to acknowledge his disobedience. He tried to conceal the guilt of his heart. This is a notable trait of all oh, his descendants. That means me and you. We try to cover. Man in general is slow to confess fault or concede to any weaknesses. In actual fact, Job himself was having a very hard time seeing and acknowledging his problems. Remember, there is no release from our bondage until we clearly acknowledge it. As long as we're in a state of denial, we will never be released. Job's words, uh, Job 31:40. Job's words are ended, and that concludes part two. And part three begins as the fourth man, Elihu, now speaks on behalf of God. I'll just 
Elihu pinpoints Job's faults. Let's take a look. So these three men seized to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. This is the crux of Job's problem. See Proverbs 16.2, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord tests the spirit. When the three friends saw that Job was determined to defend himself to his dying breath, they stopped talking. In deference to the elder brethren, Elihu waited for the three friends to finish their speaking. Elihu, who had also waited for something else, God's time. Now he was ready to burst from the pressure of holding in the word of the Lord. Before God would come on the scene, he had to prepare Job by first speaking through Elihu. How often God speaks to us through men before he visits us personally. Job needed, Job needed to be conditioned for God's appearance. Now Elihu will prepare the way. Elihu, the fourth man. Elihu is the silent fourth man. So in other words, Job had three friends, and they was like, yo, try repenting. Try this. And if you're a T.I., you know your family. I mean, I've had people like, yo, go to this psychic, and they will tell you what to do. You get any job you want all the money you want, just, you know, who knows? Could it tell me to hang a cow's tongue in, in the, you know, in the, whatever. So Job did the Bible's the oldest book. We're living history. These are things being repeated. People try to help you. You're chaotic. They want, they, they want to help you. Even, even good hearted people, Christian people can, you know, it just, it, this is God's doing. You have to accept it. It would not, you know, I'm not saying go with the program, Learn from the program. Ask God to show you what is it he wants to teach you why you're going through this. Because the word of God promises us that once we learn the lessons, pass the test, our latter life will be better than than the present. So he had three friends that gave him wrong counsel, basically. Now the fourth man is Elihu. Elihu was sent by God, he said. So Elihu was than the others, yet he was keener in spiritual matters. The spirit of the Lord, somebody's phone needs to be muted. It's making a lot of noise. Now the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and begins to speak on behalf of God. Elihu is a prophet and also a profound type of Christ. There is evidence within the book of Job that Elihu is the author. Elihu's wrath was kindled against Job because he justified himself rather than God. This was divine wrath. The spirit of the Lord was controlling Elihu, and God's spirit in him was angry. When God is offended, the anger is holy. When we are offended, it is carnal anger. God's wrath was also kindled against the three friends because they had condemned Job without giving him the key to his situation. In Job 32, verse 3, always against his three friends was his wrath kindled because they had found no answer and yet had condemned him. Right, they didn't have an answer what was going on, just like you and T.I. Nobody got an answer. But they started condemning him. Oh, yeah, this is, remember you stole, that, you stole that candy from that candy store, remember? Oh, yeah, repent, girl. They were, the three friends gave wrong counsel. But Elihu was led by God. And um, it says, you cannot condemn a man without showing him a way out. 
Elohim said to the three, there was none of you that convinced Job or that answered his words. Most of chapter 32 is Elohim's words to the three friends. The subject of the age is brought up that the three friends, the three friends were very old, but Elohim was young. Old age in itself does not qualify anyone to counsel others. Multiplicity of years does not guarantee anyone of having the answers to a situation. There is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giving him understanding. God's spirit can give the answers to a 20-year-old if he so chooses. Neither will I answer him with his speeches. Elohu had the best spiritual perception and was not going to use the logic of the three men. According to their theology, Job must have sinned because of all the tragedy that had come into his life. Their thinking was, this could never happen to a righteous man, but they were wrong. Elihu appears to be the one telling the story. They were amazed. They answered no more. They left off speaking. When I had waited, for they spake not, but stood still and answered no more. I said, I will answer also my part. I will also show you my opinion. Elihu probably is the author of the book of Job in 32. In chapter 32, he claims impartiality. Turning away from the three men, Elihu now confronts Job. In verse 6, he says, Behold, I'm according, I am according to thy wishing God said, I also am formed out of the clay. This is in response to Job's complaint that God was not a man and therefore could not understand him. At that time, Job requested a gay man, a mediator, who could act as a go-between between himself and God. Elihud is saying, I am the answer to your request. I'm also made of the same clay as you. Elihu pinpoints Job's fault. In Job 33, verses 7 to 13, in verse 10, Elihud promises Job he will not be harsh with him. Behold, my terror shall not make thee afraid, neither shall my hand be heavy upon thee. Now he's going to zero in on Job's problem in verses 8 to 13. Surely, excuse me, surely thou hast spoken in my hearing, and I have heard the voice of thy word saying, I am clean without transgression. I am innocent. Neither is there iniquity in me. There is no fault in me, but there is no fault in God. Behold, he findeth occasions against me. He counted me for his enemy. He put my feet in the stocks. He marked all my paths. Behold, in this thou art not just. I will answer thee that God is greater than man. Why would God, why dost thou strive against him? For he giveth not account of any of his matters. Elihu pinpoints Job's problem. Behold, in this thou art not just. Job had been accusing God of seeking causes against him and counting him to the In verse 12, it is the theme of Elihu's message. His message is, God is greater than man. He is saying no one can question God or point the finger at God. In this, thou art not just. And then in 33, Job 33, 13, how do you strive with him? Striving with our maker is evil. 
In Isaiah 45, 9, it warns us, Woe to him that strive with his maker. Shall the clay say to him that fashionest it, what makest thou? Man has no right to demand an explanation from God. To do so is to put God down and lift ourselves up above him. The Lord does not have to give an account to anyone. Job had been striving with his maker and finding fault with him. This is where Job was not just, and God wanted to cleanse him of this. Anyone who will stand close to God cannot have accusation in his heart against God. It is hypocritical to utter error against God, Isaiah 33, 6. Elihu had told the three sons, neither will I answer him with your speeches. Elihu would not use the shallow logic of three brethren. Instead, Elihu's rationale was this. Job, all these troubles that have come upon you are not for anything you have done wrong. But during your trial, you have been speaking irreverently <coughs> excuse me, about God and to God. In this, you're not just. This is Elihu's reasoning, and he is right. The blindness of man and its remedy. In Job 22, for God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. God speaks numerous times to us about serious issues. But so often we do not hear him. So God tries to speak to us when we are in a subconscious state while we are sleeping, or he chastens man with strong pain upon his bed and brings him almost to death's door. All this is to withdraw man from his own purpose and routines and to hide pride from man. All of this is God's mercy. Thus he opens men's ears unto instruction. Certainly, Job had experienced this. Elihu continues, for Job has said, I am righteous and God has taken away my justice. Elihu sums up Job's problem very well. He felt constrained by the Holy Spirit to rebuke Job because he had heard him condemn God repeatedly and it was making God angry. Calamity is God's reward to me for doing good. In Job 34, 9 to 12, he said, For he has said, It profiteth a man nothing that he should delight himself with God. Therefore hearken unto me, ye men of understanding, far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty, that he should commit iniquity. For the work of a man shall he render unto him and cause every man to find according to his ways. Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert justice. Job charged that God had perverted justice. Job looked at his calamities and said, This is God's reward to being right. What good does it do to please God? Elihu reproves Job for his accusation against God and said that God will render unto every man what he deserves and what God meets out will be fair. Here is the problem. Life is not over yet and the final score is not in. People tend to make an appraisal of life by the way conditions look today. But in a few years, everything could be very different. Job and his friends were in a state of affairs. The friends said, 
Job was reaping what he had sown and therefore must have sinned grievously. Job knew he had not sinned. He became bitter at God and said, this is God's reward for me for doing good. Eventually, God will render to every man according to his works. Revelations 22:12. At the end, Job had a double portion. Is it fit to say to a king, you are perverse? In Job 34, 17 to 19, can anyone who hates justice rule? And wilt thou condemn him that is most just? Is it fit to say to a king, thou art wicked and to princesses? Ye are ungodly. Him that is just is not the persons of princesses, nor regarded the My nephew is just getting home. Give me one second. Ah, uh, put active call. You're just getting home. Okay. Now, so Elihu, Job, Job again was righteous. And Job was saying, God, look, I did everything right, and you're going to come against me? This is God's reward to me for doing right? Eventually, God was rendered to every man. Listen, I put my nephew in here. I have to change the phone. Hold on. Let's see. Let me, I got to change this phone. Give me a second here. Let's see. Give me a Testing, testing, testing. Okay. This is on. On my pop. Okay. Almost done here. We're finishing up on this book of Job and um, getting a nice little understanding here. It's amazing what's going on. All right. So, Job said, Here is the problem. No, well, this is what. Here is the problem. Life is not over yet and the final score is not in. People tend to make an appraisal of life by the conditions they have today. But in a few years, everything could be very different. Job, Job and his friends were looking at the present state of affairs. The friends said Job was reaping what he had sown, and therefore he must have sinned grievously. Job knew he had not sinned. 
he became bitter at God and said, this is God's reward to me for doing right. Eventually, God will render to every man according to his words. Revelations 22, 12. At the end, Job had double blessings. Job's problem, is it fit to say to a king, are you perverse? When Job started questioning God, this is where he was putting himself above God. Can one who hates justice rule and will thou condemn him that is most just? Is it fit to say to a king, though art wicked, and to princes, you are ungodly? How much less than to him that accepteth not the person or princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands? He asks Job, is it proper to revile earthly dignitaries? Will you then revile and condemn the Most High, him who is most just? Elihu was the friend that was counseling him. That Elihu was the only friend because the rest of the friends didn't tell him the right, you know, couldn't tell him. Nobody can. When you're T.I., nobody could. No one can explain what you're going through. So you really have to just listen to God. Because everybody's going to tell you, you need to repent. You did this. You did that. And that's why the book you of Job. You were saying that? AJ, I am taping, okay? This is the book of Job. This is what his friends were saying. Okay. Did I lose the call? Yeah, all right. <laughs> you know, uh, okay. So let me see. Elohim's counsel to Job. Surely, see, but that's what my nephew's on here. He's calling back. Okay. You can't take things out of proportion. Good afternoon. Okay. I'm taping. I'm taping. Yeah, I'm taping, honey. That was an accident. Okay. Let me, I'm just, you know, but that's why the Bible... The Bible is the oldest book in history because this book tells us so we can understand stories. Job is Job went through what you're going through. He had friends that tried to tell him, you know, I mean, he God used, it was a test for everybody because nobody had an answer. Nobody could explain. But God used Elihu. Elihu was job was to counsel Job and to show Job, Lord, show me where I am blind. This is the part where Elihu is touching the root of Job's problem. Job had been condemning the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was telling God, like, yo, you got the wrong one. I ain't did nothing wrong. How could you do this to me? And, I mean, they, they, I mean, Job lost everything. So, <clears throat> surely it is fit to be said unto God, I have borne chastisement. I will not ascend any more. That which I see not teach thou me, if I have done iniquity, I will do no more. Elihu counsels Job to pray this prayer. That which I see not teach thou me, Lord, show me where I'm blind. This is how the three friends should have replied to Job's remarks. Job, you are criticizing God. Ask God to show you what you cannot see. Instead, the three friends condemned him. 
In Job 34, chapter 34, verse 36 to 37, it says, would that Job's afflictions be continued and he be tried to the end because of his answering like wicked men? For he adds rebellion in his unsubmissive, defiant attitude towards God. To his unacknowledged sin, he claps his hands in open mockery and contempt. He multiplies his words of accusations against God. He was just tired because he was a righteous man. He didn't know what to say. Elihu desires the pressure to continue until Job sees his fault and acknowledges it. My righteousness is more than God's. Elihu continues, think thou this to be right that thou sayest my righteousness is more than God? Here again is the root of Job's problem. Lord, you are not fair. You have no right to put me through this trial. I have done nothing to deserve this. Job found fault with God, but none with himself. Thus, Job was saying that he was more righteous than God. In verse 2, Job is rebuked again for saying that it does not pay to live a godly life. God treats the righteous and the wicked the same. It was a lost perspective, a lost song. In Job 35, 9, 10, by reason of the multitude of oppressions, they make the oppressed to cry. They cry out by reason of the arm of the mighty. But none saith, where is God my maker who giveth songs in the night? When people are in trouble, often they are unable to think or deal objectively. Emotions are out of control and thoughts are distorted. Job had lost proper perspective during the trial. At first, he did admirably, admirably. Then he lost the song of his soul. Having a song in your soul will break the power of the enemy and keep your wells unblocked. Job's heart had grown hard. He was no longer able to say, Lord, though I do not understand, I trust you. You do all things well. Job was unable to thank God in and for his circumstances, and he could not thank God for his offenders, nor did he pray for those who misunderstood him. Later, he did pray for them, and then he was released from his captivity. He was lacking in meekness, too. Meekness is the opposite of anger. It is a holy acceptance of circumstances. Instead of accepting his circumstances, he became very angry. Elihu, again, zeroes in on Job. Who can say to God, thou hast wrought iniquity? Teach us what ye shall say unto him. For we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness. Because we do not see clearly by reason of darkness. We do not know how to speak. Unless God gives us light and revelation, we do not know how to think, counsel, or pray. We cannot see situations clearly because of a veil. The three friends were unable to counsel. Okay. The three friends were unable to counsel Job because of darkness. They were judging him with their natural minds, not by divine light. The real answers come by divine revelation only. 
Conclusion of part three. Elohu has prepared the way for the Lord to come and visit Job. Now, after a period of perhaps six months to a year, the Lord is about to come on the scene. After many long months of silence, the Lord is about to make an appearance to Job and to speak to him. God has waited patiently for the situation to ripen. The refiner of silver and gold has waited for the impurities to rise to the surface in order to remove them. Now he is ready to come and complete the process. Okay. <clears throat> God, when God, next thing is God, when God breaks his silence, targeted individuals, we're going to have such a song to sing. <clears throat> when God breaks his silence, well, by virtue of being in this horrific program, God has broken his silence if you're in the land of the living, okay? Because these demons will take you out of the land of the living, okay? We are in a <clears throat> very wicked, covert assassination program. And you are still in the land of the living, so God has not been silent in your life. It may not be the way you want it to be, but we're still on planet Earth, and we still have a chance to complete the destiny he created us for. So we give all praises to the Most High God that we can look at the book of Job. And Job was spared too. God was not really silent. He was, it was a test. And we ask you, God, to <clears throat> excuse me, lead and direct us that we can pass this test. And don't let us ever look at you like, why are you doing this? Who are you? We cannot. We, you know, that was the biggest lesson in the book of Job. He was a righteous man. But with his, he, he, he was so righteous, he just couldn't, you know, he started saying to God, Joe, you got the wrong one. I don't did everything correct. But when fire, God puts us through trials. He wanted us to see. He wanted to see. He puts us through trials. When the, when the storm hit, he was like, yo, you ain't all that correctness to upstairs because you picked me. You got me in this mess. And God wanted to get that out of him. And that's why he went through that trial. So we give our honor and praise to the Most High God. We're going to close out here. God bless you. Glad to have you. Um, I would love more participation. <clears throat> My voice is going sore here, but I'm, 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 I'm just happy to have people here particularly at 3.19 in the morning. God bless you. <laughs> and um, I'm always available to pray. Um, you can contact me anytime. My email is on TalksYouAllOver, M-I-R-I-S-N-I at AOL.com. And um, join us and keep the prayers going. And, again, praying warriors, please pray for one of my daily beloved associate, her sister is on life support and her mother is in and out of the hospital and we just need her to be strong right now and we need all the prayers to pray for that family to come out of this in glory. So it looks like, oh, they took me off of, oh, I was going to say they took me off of talk show, but no. Okay, good night, talks you guest four. Good to see you. Northern Middle Tennessee, good to see you. And remember, you're always welcome to pray with us. Oh, they took me out. Let me see, I have to sign back in just to turn it off.
Okay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.